gospel today, there's this great eagerness. There's this youthful innocence and impetuousness and eagerness on full display. John and James, the sons of Zebedee, you got to love this. This is how our, our gospel scene starts off. James and John come forward to Jesus and say to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Okay, hold on. What do you say to this? I mean, these guys advance. They come towards Jesus. They offer this kind of catch-all request. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus, he, uh, he goes along with this playfulness. This is what he says. What is it you want me to do for you? And so far, Jesus is not agreeing to anything. He's just seeking more clarification. And so James and John then make their official request. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. What a statement, hey? What a, what a request. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Okay, well, first of all, there's this great faith on display here. There's, there's no doubt about Jesus' divinity from James and John's point of view. They're absolutely certain. One chapter before this one in the, in the Gospel of Mark, we hear of the famous transfiguration scene on Mount Tabor. Peter, James, and John bearing witness to this glorious sight, this awesome foreshadowing of our Lord's resurrection. And so here in chapter 10 of Mark's Gospel, James and John, they're riding high, and their request is just full of euphoria. There's no doubt for them. There's no doubt about eternal life. There's no doubt about the lordship of Jesus. And fueled with this jubilation, they just blurt out this appeal. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And meanwhile, the other apostles are thinking, what, what kind of smug request is this? These young ones, eh? They think they have special access to Jesus. They think they can just make this request and get a free ticket into heaven. These young punks are totally overstepping their bounds, the other apostles must have thought, because as St. Mark reports, when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. And Jesus, he doesn't reprimand James and John at all, and he certainly doesn't refuse this request. And what does he do specifically? Jesus as he does so often, uses what he receives, he uses this request as a teaching moment. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, we are able. And this right here, brothers and sisters, foreshadows not just our Lord's passion, but also the sacrificial road that these two apostles would personally walk, following our Lord's footsteps in the age of the church as leaders of the way, this life, this religion that would soon come to be known as Christianity. Yes, they would accept this challenge, this adult Christian life of making a sincere gift of themselves to others and, and inspiring others to do the same. And so let's rewind back again now to our gospel scene we have the youthful, idealistic James and John 
and they learn that it's, it's only God the Father who decides whether they sit at the right or to the left-hand side of the Son in heaven. At the same time, Jesus implies that they do indeed have what it takes to walk that walk of sacrifice, to enter into the baptism of the death and resurrection of our Lord. They do indeed have what it takes. But at this point of the journey, it wasn't guaranteed. James and John, they have free will, just like Judas. Their future wasn't set in stone. They could have made a, whole, all, a series of different choices. They never received a free ticket into heaven. But Jesus, he sees their potential. He recognized their faith, their very deep faith. And Jesus, like a good coach, Jesus, with this explanation, is inviting James and John to step up, to step up to the next level. And Jesus, he's inviting the others in earshot of this to step up. And he's inviting us, brothers and sisters, to do the same. In our second reading today from the letter to the Hebrews, we hear this exhortation. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love this. Let us approach with boldness. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. It's this valiant march forward, brothers and sisters, not living in fear, but with that certainty of God's providence and as of his very presence in the per person of Jesus Christ. Yes, to be a receiver, a bold receiver of grace with that steadfast forward momentum happening. That's the pilgrim journey, dear friends. That bold expedition highlighted with service, acts of service, acts of other-centered love, that gospel charity that we call Christ-like service. At the tail end of our gospel today, Jesus he spells out how to, one, counterattack envy, and two, how to just flourish as a human being. He spells it out in the same lesson. Whoever wishes to become great among you, says Jesus, you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus, you know, in his incarnation, in his public ministry, in his formation of the apostles and the healings and the teachings, and, and then in his passion, death, and resurrection, he's come not to be served, but to serve. And Jesus, he just sets the tone, not so that we may just grow accustomed to receiving service, but so that we may also, as extensions of Jesus, serve, so that we may actively serve. Friends, I recently read a short story about a waiter, a waiter at a restaurant, and a cantankerous, difficult customer. And the customer, this patron, was really picky about the temperature. And so he kept, he kept calling the waiter over. And there's the waiter, ready to serve, coming promptly to the table every time the customer raises his hand, flags the waiter down. And so first, this patron, he demands that the air conditioning 
be turned up because it was too hot. Then a few minutes later, the same guy firmly requests that this air conditioner be turned down because it was too cold. And this went on and on, back and forth with the temperature. And yes, the waiter would always arrive to the table promptly. For over a half an hour, this went on. So finally, a second customer, way back at the end of the restaurant, is viewing this and happens just to, to catch the waiter as he's passing by. And he says, hey, look, waiter, the temperature is fine. You don't, you don't have to be puppeteered around to do the, the bidding of that man over there. And so the waiter leans in and whispers to this second customer, and he says with a, with a wink and a smile, oh, I don't mind, madam. We don't even have an air conditioner. <laughs> now, is that service or what, huh? Is that service? And you know, we could easily change the location of that joke from restaurant to St. Joseph's Church, because we don't have air conditioning either. <laughs> but so, is that, is that service? Is that boldly moving forward with the other's best interest in mind? Maybe, maybe the patron really needed not to be pampered. But it was a little deceitful of the waiter, wasn't it? Okay, so maybe not the best example of service. And we've all felt what poor service feels like, right? You know, yeah, it's less than pleasant experiencing poor service. And it's a polar opposite feeling when there is good service. That feels great. And now the reception of service and or lack thereof and the corresponding feeling, okay, we can acknowledge it, the reception of service. But then there's the offering, you know, the offering of service, giving. And in our Christian context, giving without counting the cost. That is what we're made for. We are literally made in the image and likeness of our God who is self-gift. And today, friends, at the end of Mass, we'll hear about one of our parish's vital organizations, our Knights of Columbus, our relatively small but mighty council who have done amazing work, who are doing amazing work, and today... It's their membership drive. And so we invite all men, all families here today, we invite all men to prayerfully consider joining this amazing group or reinvesting your time and energy in this Catholic fraternity of incredible men and families, our Knights of Columbus, rooted in God and driven to serve. And yes, we know, brothers and sisters, the ways to serve and the opportunities in our own parish to serve are manifold. But today and throughout this week, let's just focus on one area. There's one area where each of us could just dive into or just roll up our sleeves even a little bit. And by doing so, communicating to our Lord saying, Okay, Jesus, I will serve you. Yes, Jesus, I can and will step up to the next level like James and John. Okay, Jesus, your servant is listening and ready. Our Lady of Perpetual Help, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us.